This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The union representing Canadian auto workers in Ford have reached a labour deal. Canadian Press Weekend News Editor Michelle McQuig has some more details. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Can we open up Michelle's microphone? Uh, there we go. Hello. Now we Good got morning, you, Michelle. Dave and now, everyone. <laughs> hello to everyone, indeed. So, Michelle, this uh, got ratified yesterday. What are some of the relevant known details of the deal? So, yes, it did get ratified yesterday. In fact, I think the ratification figure, it did strike me as one interesting aspect because it is a very good deal with lots of very significant gains, and I'll run those through. But even with all that, it only got ratified with 54% support. Wow, wow. So, yeah. Uh, so, despite all that, it clearly uh, was not as all universally seen as a huge win, despite the fact that we're looking at a 15% wage increases over three years, starting with an initial 10% bump in the first year, 2% the year after that, three year, uh, 3% for the third year. So this is a three-year deal. Um, what else have we got? We got two new paid vacation days. We have a $10,000 bonus for anyone. Uh, there's a shift towards the defined benefits pension plan, which is a really interesting new potential trend in labor relations and benefit, like pension activity there. Um and yeah, the upshot of this is that when all is said and done, uh, one example we have here is that a Ford worker who has one year of seniority right now uh, would have their wages go up from to $25.75 an hour to, let's see, $46.13 by the end of the three-year term. Wow. Wow. That is a significant increase. There's there's no doubt yeah. about that one, Michelle. So the auto strike in the United States continues. In fact, uh, President Joe Biden is going to be appearing on the picket lines today, and that won't get political at all. Oh, but, oh not, not, not a bit. But where does wow. the labor relations in the auto industry, auto, indi- auto industry, easy for me to say, uh, go from <laughs> here in terms of maybe the Canadian perspective? Yeah. So for what, the Canadian perspective, Unifor, was, it was really pushing this deal hard because what they wanted and what they now have was for this to be the template for new negotiations with the other automakers. This deal only applies to Ford. It still covers about 5,600 people or so, but they have to go through the same process again with General Motors and Stellantis. And we don't actually know which one of those automakers is up next, but whichever one it will be, this Ford deal is going to be pointed to as the precedent, as the sort of template to follow um, and it's considered, you, you talked about the U.S. workers, uh, there is a school of thought out there that says that this kind of win for Unifor could help guide some negotiations out there as well, because, of course, the uh, the UAW um, and, and Unifor, they're not the same or, or working in lockstep, but they certainly are in, in regular contact and they're looking to each other for for some support and, and precedent setting there too. Yeah, at the very least, you can say there's some similar goals. But Michelle, you're right, that ratification number at 54%, that goes back to a topic that you and I explored a couple times with the BC port workers, with the metro grocery workers in Toronto. It, again, it goes yep. back to this thought that you and I have been sharing both here and in the news panel that, that there may even still be a little bit of a disconnect between union leadership and rank and file just based on current economic conditions. Yeah, and it just shows how how 
strong how much stronger the push is for even more gains despite the fact that and and previous uh you know pre-inflationary pre-covid times this would have been considered an unequivocal oh yeah huge win like, like yeah so i i i was really struck by that number partially because of what we've been talking about but yeah to me that really is indicative of the fact that there's wider spread discontentment that I think people bargained for. Mm-hmm. If you'll pardon the accidental pun yeah. there. Sorry Ab- about absolutely, that. No, absolutely. And anyway, <laughs> so, so a little bit later in the hour, John Lepke and I are going to talk about the uh, tentative deal between the Hollywood writers, but there's also labor strife in Quebec with the public sector right now, uh, health workers oh, yep. in Nova that was Scotia. Up on the weekend. Yeah, yep. there's no there's no shortage of stories to discuss in regards to uh, to labor, labor unions and the general economic landscape. But Michelle, let's go over to the world of politics. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky had an official visit to Canada over the weekend. Michelle, let's break this down into three pieces. What happened in Ottawa on Friday, the controversy around what happened in Ottawa on Friday, and then a little bit about uh, Zelensky's uh, Toronto trip on Saturday. So let's start sure. with yeah. Parliament. Hold the, hold the controversy off for a second, but what you are bet. the takeaways from Zelensky's Friday in Ottawa? The takeaways was that this was Zelensky's second address to Canadian Parliament, but the first one in person, and it had all the pageantry that you would possibly expect. Uh, he had very uh, high praise from the Prime Minister who spoke before him in Parliament. Zelensky himself spoke for just shy of 20 minutes or so. Um, strong, strong condemnation of Russia, of course, high praise for Canada, talking about how justice is not an empty concept here. I'm quoting him. Uh, there was an announcement of about $650 million of new aid for Russia over, or, excuse me, for Ukraine. My goodness. That would have, um, been, that would have been a political misstep in, uh, in Oh, wow. Yeah, pardon me. That, that was a strong misspeaking. <laughs> $650 to support Ukraine in their war against Russia um, over the next several years, including building new armored cars in London, Ontario. So a little domestic uh, economic thing there as well. Um, and yeah, let's think of... Zelensky threw in a little phrase of inuktitut at the end after uh, a meeting with Mary Simon, the governor general, earlier in the day. So lots of bits and pieces of, for a very sort of uh, official grand reception for mm-hmm. the for the Ukrainian mm-hmm. president. So that was the sunshine. Okay, what on earth happened in terms of House Speaker Anthony Rota inviting someone who fought for the Nazis in World War II to Parliament? Great question. Uh, that that really is the key one. We don't know what happened here. Um, at the end of President Zelensky's address, Speaker Anthony Rota got up and, and offered some extremely fulsome praise for the president himself, We're comparing him to Nelson Mandela. And then he went and introduced a, someone he described as a Ukrainian war veteran from the Second World War. He was 98 years old. He was in a wheelchair up in the gallery. And it said he, that he fought... The speaker described him as fighting against the Russians for Ukraine. With the first, he did not mention the first Ukrainian division by name, but we got that information from our photographers who speak, spoke with Mr. Hunka. That's his name and his attendants. The first Ukrainian division was a voluntary Nazi unit, so that is uh, causing quite the controversy and quite the stir since then. Speaker Rota has taken the full blame for this. He said that this was entirely his his decision. He had his allocated seating. This was a gentleman who lived in his riding, and he felt this would be an appropriate person to have here. He said he has only learned about his Nazi affiliations after the fact, and he's been very careful to say that no one else in government or as part of the new Ukrainian delegation, of course, was aware that this was going to happen or that 
this person was in the house. But that has gone nowhere to us having extreme concern and, and anger and, and betrayal from the Jewish community across Canada. Yeah, especially uh, two days before Yom Kippur, one of the highest holidays uh, for the Jewish community. Uh, to do that is quite the quite the misstep. Um, I am here to acknowledge that Central and Eastern Europe can get a little bit complex in regards to occupation and occupied areas during World War II. But if you're going to bring someone to the halls of Parliament and honor them, you better do your research. And I feel like this was such. A, this comes up oftentimes when talking about this government unforced errors. This is like the definition of an unforced error like you've got to do a little bit this more is than such saying, an like, own goal yeah. it's unbe- it astonishing it really is you've <laughs> got to do a little bit better than like oh are there ukrainian people in my district who can i bring to parliament for like an easy win and then absolutely like totally 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 blow it uh michelle especially because fighting against russia almost means automatically that you were on the side of germany if you know your world war ii history even a little bit it, that's uh, it that's it this ought to raise a question or two it, it's 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 quite striking, the whole thing. It really, really is. And that fallout is going to continue uh, throughout the week. So uh, let's leave oh, it there. Yes. Uh, Michelle, what about Zelensky's visit to Toronto on Saturday? Yeah, that, uh, well, it was actually later on Friday. It was all the oh, same pardon day. Me. It was pardon an me. extraordinarily busy day for the, for the Ukrainian president and, and his wife. Uh, but they came to Toronto and had a huge welcome, about a thousand people packing the, on the Toronto armory. Uh, which you see that held for like huge political campaigns and stuff. It's a big venue and it was, it was quite chock-a-block there. A very warm reception. A lot of everyday Ukrainians who were just delighted to have the president here. They, they see him as, as a, a protector of the homeland and something of a hero. Uh, so there was a lot of, of unanimity, pro-Ukraine sentiment, a uh, lot of love for Zelensky and, and his wife, Alina, and uh, a very sort of celebratory and, and happy vibe during that particular visit. There you go. See, we sandwiched, we sandwiched the controversy with a little bit of sunshine. Michelle, thank you for this. Have a great week. Talk to you on Friday. Thank you. Take care. That's Michelle McQuig, weekend news editor at the Canadian Press, coming up after the break. Cruise, a car and technology company, revealed their prototype for a wheelchair-accessible robo-taxi. Marco Pasqua shares his thoughts on the potential for self-driving vehicles. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.